temple had been destroyed in that month. Tools signified weapons and could not be used in constructing the holiest of holy places. Therefore, the great warrior King David had been prohibited from building the temple because he had known the evils of war. Instead, the honor fell to his son, King Solomon, who called upon the Shamir, a worm who could cut through stone, thereby creating glory to God without the use of metal tools. The temple was built as God had decreed it should be, free from bloodshed and war. Its nine gates were covered with silver and gold. There, in the most holy of places, was the ark that stored our people's covenant with God, a chest made of the finest acacia wood, decorated with two golden cherubs. But despite its magnificence, the first temple was destroyed, our people exiled to Babylonia. They had returned after seventy years to rebuild in the same place, where Abraham had been willing to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice to the Almighty, where the world had first been created. The second temple had stood for hundreds of years as the dwelling place of God's word, the center of creation in the center of Jerusalem, though the ark itself had disappeared, perhaps in Babylonia. But now times of bloodshed were upon us once more. The Romans wanted all that we had. They came to us as they swarmed upon so many lands with their immense legions, wanting not just to conquer but to humiliate, claiming not just our land and our gold, but our humanity. As for me, I expected disaster, nothing more. I had known its embrace before I had breath or sight. I was the second child, a year younger than my brother, Amram, but unlike him entirely, cursed by the burden of my first breath. My mother died before I was born. In that moment, the map of my life arose upon my skin in a burst of red marks, speckles that, when followed one to the other, have led me to my destiny. I can remember the instant when I entered the world, the great calm that was suddenly broken, the heat of my own pulse beneath my skin. I was taken from my mother's womb, cut out with a sharp knife. I am convinced I heard my father's roar of grief, the only sound to break the terrible silence of one who is born from death. I myself did not cry or wail. People took note of that. The midwives whispered to one another, convinced I was either blessed or cursed. My silence was not my only unusual aspect, nor were the russet flecks that emerged upon my skin an hour after my birth. It was my hair, the deep blood-red color of it, a thick cap growing, as if I already knew this world and had been here before. They said my eyes were open, the mark of one set apart. That was to be expected of a child born of a dead woman, for I was touched by Malach Hamavet, the angel of death, before I was born, in the month of Av, on the Tishabav, the ninth day, under the sign of the lion. I always knew a lion would be waiting for me. I had dreamed of such creatures ever since I could remember. In my dreams, I fed the lion from my hand. In return, he took my whole hand into his mouth and ate me alive. When I left childhood, 
I made certain to cover my head. Even when I was in my father's courtyard, I kept to myself. On those rare occasions when I accompanied our cook to the market, I saw other young women enjoying themselves, and I was jealous of even the plainest among them. Their lives were full, whereas I could think only of all I did not have. They chirped merrily about their futures as brides as they lingered at the well or gathered in the street of the bakers, surrounded by their mothers and aunts. I wanted to snap at them, but said nothing. How could I speak of my envy when there were things I wanted even more than a husband or a child or a home of my own? I wished for a night without dreams, a world without lions, a year without of that bitter red month. We left the city when the second temple was set in ruins, venturing forth into the Valley of Thorns.